0: My next guest is Nicholas Dogras. He is the Director of Neurotherapy Services at FHE Health. And Dr. Dogras has a unique blend of clinical research and development experience in the field of neurostimulation and neuromodulation. Now, in this episode, we talk a lot, obviously, about your brain. And Dr. Dogras has developed over 200 protocols for the neurofield system And continues to create new innovations for FHE health patients with a specific emphasis on reducing cravings, reducing symptoms of anxiety and depression, and helping to restore normal sleep patterns. Now in this episode, Dr. Dogris presents some slides which are very useful, a lot of great information. So if you want to see the slides, head over to CJ Evolution Podcast on the YouTube channel to check out the video of this show. Dr. Dogris, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Patrick here. Thank you for listening to this show. If you love this show with Dr. Dogris, and I'm pretty sure you will, please share this show and others with family and friends and give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We sure would appreciate it. And if you so desire, please throw on a review. Thank you very much. A special thanks to you, the first responder, the criminal justice professional, whatever you are doing, wherever you are at, thank you for doing it. And remember this, you are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Keep up the great work, and please be safe.
1: for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go.
0: Thank you, Jimmy Keith, for that inspirational and motivational message. If you are struggling, please, you do not have to do it alone. You do not have to go through that alone. Reach out to FHE Health and their Shadowproof program for first responders today. 303-960-9819. All calls are confidential. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited to have my next guest on the show, Dr. Nicholas Dogris. He is the Neurorehabilitation Director at FHE Health. Uh, at Deerfield Beach, Florida, and he is on the show. He's probably the smartest guy out there, at least I think. Uh, He talks all about the brain and how we can heal the brain to be your better self. Dr. Dogris, welcome, sir.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. I like the spinning skull behind you.
0: (laughs) Everybody comments on that. That's my buddy. And they say, what are you going to take that down? It's it's after Halloween. I said, no, he he stays up all the time. That's kind of like my little meditation thing. I hope you named it. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't yet it. Maybe I should. Now we were talking a little bit, Doctor, before I got on the show. Um, most of my listeners know that I was a former patient at Shatterproof. I'm now blessed to work with them. But one of the the highlights of my treatment was the neurostimulation and uh, that you helped kind of bring on uh with uh FHE Health. Can you talk a little bit about your background, and how you got into this field, sir?
2: Sure. Um, I've been in the field of uh, neuromodulation and neurotherapy since 19, I don't even want to say, 1987. Uh, yeah, 1987 was when I began. See, so here I graduated uh, high school.
0: Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for
2: that. Yeah. Uh, Humboldt State University, uh, I attended there. I worked under uh, Dr. John Morgan and Dr. James Knight, and we did um, uh, some early uh, what's called ERP studies or above potential studies, looking at the brainwave responses to different kinds of stimulation. And that's how I kind of began in the field. It was actually my intention to become a NASA astronaut and to go into space. Um, And yeah, there's a whole story behind that, but we don't have time for that. Anyway, I ended up getting (laughs) derailed from that one and um, went into the clinical field. Uh, At that point in time, I was working for this guy down in uh, Long Beach, California. Um, His name uh, uh, was Dr. Dan Stasa. And Dan was a friend with Margaret Ayers. Margaret would go down in history as being the first um, person to actually patent a uh, neurofeedback device in the United States in the mm. early 1990s. She actually did the first one. And um, I was one of her students. And um, I actually helped her fix her computer one day. And um, <laughs> and uh, it, it just so happens that she was going to UCLA Medical Center to um, work on somebody there that was in a coma. And um, after a couple of hours of working on this person, she actually woke up this guy out of a coma. Oh. Yeah. And so you have to understand for me, I was getting my PhD in, um, in psychology with a, you know, with an emphasis on uh, prescribing psychologists, a, a, you know, I was going to, you know, prescribe medications and, and, and take that route in terms of, you know, medical based psychology. And um, I was going through this program and, and what she showed me pretty much defied everything I had ever learned about the brain. And she basically looked at me and said, yeah, most of what you learned is wrong. And it's a real gut punch you know when you've been in school for sure. many years and, and what and, and, but I, you know what seeing is believing, and I saw it and I thought, you know this is the route I want to go down and uh, so I learned from her and then I would eventually go off and do my own thing and start learning different systems and I have a computer science background. so I started de- you know designing different kinds of, uh, of software and um, and protocols to treat the brain. And um, went into private practice and uh, after getting my doctorate and, um, and you know, designing a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, the, the neurofield system was designed, um, uh, you know, necessity is, is the mother of invention. I have a son that's 20 years old. He was born premature and had hypoxic brain damage. And so I had to figure out a way to be able to stimulate a baby's brain safely. Yeah. And so I did uh came up with this method to do a low um uh very very low level electromagnetic stimulation of the brain um when you get when you get that it increases blood flow and you know the brain is the best doctor in the room if you just give it a little bit of a nudge it can actually repair itself pretty quickly and so uh with the help of a very experienced radio analog engineer we designed this system, and. we didn't have the intention of doing anything with it other than treating our kids with it. And, uh, my, I was getting my board certifications and quantitative EEG at the time. And, uh, my mentor, who was a famous professor at, at Utah university school of medicine, he said, uh, you have to release this thing. You can't, wow. you have the ethical obligation of releasing this. Thing. Sure. And so, um, I did so, and uh, ever since then we've been on this path of evolving the technology and um and making it better and better uh, and creating different generations of equipment
0: wow well how how come, doctor, that we i mean, I hear a lot about neurofeedback. A lot of people I talk to, they hear about they they've heard of neurofeedback, but I'm sure in medical circles, maybe neurostimulation obviously I'm assuming is more prevalent in those those discussions. but how come you don't hear? a lot more about neurostimulation in mainstream, you know what I mean, within treatment.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's still considered investigational in the United States. And so um, the FDA hasn't made it an approved method of treatment that could be widely distributed to for the home user basically. Sure. Uh, there are a couple of devices that are available that do it, but really they're, they're very limited in their capabilities. And so we're in clinical trials right now um, to make you know our system available uh, to everyone, um, but United States is in last place when you look at people around the world. Uh, there are people in you know in the in the EU, in the UK, Canada, Japan, Australia, Russia. Um, th- this is a um, mainstream form of treatment uh, because they have seen it. You know, there's there's numerous numerous studies showing the effectiveness and safety. Of uh direct current, alternating current, random noise stimulation for the brain, and I have you know, I'm I'm sitting on a library now of, you know, probably ninety gigabytes of data that I've collected over the years, showing the the efficacy.
0: Yeah, and and,
2: it- and so that and so the reason is is that you know uh the United States is last place. I think it's it's because we're so medication oriented.
0: Yeah, uh, we just yeah. rather put people on medication,
2: right? It's, it's kind fast. of put a
0: band aid on it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, it's fast, it's effective, um, and uh, you know you can get a clinical result. And I think that the, I think the tide's starting to change now because um, we actually show equivalence now with that of medication in our studies. Um, and uh, I can show you some data if you want to see it. Yeah, then,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah,
2: yeah um, the. You know, the whole thing was like, can you actually, is it safe, number one? And number two, you know, um, can you achieve a treatment effect that uh, is equivalent to that of a medication treatment effect? And the answer is yes to, to, to both questions.
0: Well, and I think I mentioned before we started, doctor, that I went through the neurostimulation. And after about the fifth treatment, it was, and I use this analogy, it was like a light switch that went on. I went through eighteen treatments of neurostimulation. I was down at Shatterproof and FHE, and that, along with the other treatment modalities that we offer, that was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I, yeah,
2: no surprise. Because
0: because I just thought, okay, it is what it is. I didn't really. I mean, of course, I'm not a you know a, a doctor like you or a scientist or anything. I, I didn't read. a matter of fact, when they first told me, I was, you know, do you want to go through this? I thought electric shock therapy. I was like, no, no, I don't want to, <laughs> but, but through the subsequent treatment, I was amazed. And like you said, we can, we can actually heal the brain.
2: Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. So uh, you should be able to see my screen now. I do.
0: I do. I see your screen. Okay,
2: cool. So let's go and talk about safety first. Cause that's really the, the big one. Um, uh. So right here is a, uh, it's one of the more recent uh, uh, papers that have been done, but this one's really cool because it's a meta-analysis. So you see, if you talk about like, elect- you're gonna put electricity through my brain, is that safe? That's yeah. a great question. You should, nobody should be touching you unless they can 100% answer that question. Well, this study answers it. It's a meta-analysis where they took 158 studies with over 4,130 participants. And they reviewed to see if there were any significant adverse reactions to the treatment. Not a single person had a significant adverse reaction. That means that you're irrevocably harmed as a result of the treatment. Nobody had an issue, 4,000 people. Now, medication studies can't make that claim. There is always somebody that has a significant adverse response, meaning somebody dies or somebody has, you know, some kind of event occur that, you know, um, is irreversible. This, this type of technology doesn't have that as long as you adhere to the safety standard. Sure. And the, the standard, the standard is, is that the duration of treatment shouldn't be more than 40 minutes. The maximum amplitude of stimulation should not exceed more than 4 milliamps. And, uh, which means that you don't create heat in the brain. Sure. Now, The Where we're at is the maximum that we actually go to is 2.5 million. So we're well below the maximum of the the safety standards, and we keep our sessions at 30 to 40 minutes. That's the first thing. Second thing that's really exciting is that the mechanism of action has been very well defined as to why does this actually flip the switch? As you're going through this, now it should never be used as a standalone treatment it should be used in conjunction with psychotherapy yeah, okay, yeah. and different kinds of therapy so that you learn. And
0: you know, get the okay. maximum effect.
2: Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. the thing about it, though, is like, you know, when people go through treatment, especially like addiction treatment, um, but mental health treatment as well, is that they go, well, I've done this a thousand times. It never really clicked for me. And it, it's, it's because they usually have some kind of neurological issue that's preventing them from learning. But when you get this stimulation, it actually, this little CA2 plus and NA2 plus, these are calcium ions in, in the astrocytes. It's a part of your brain that actually connects the cortex to the limbic system. And when there's issues and problems, that part of the brain doesn't communicate correctly. And so we talk, we call that neuroplasticity. The, the ability of the brain to connect is rigid. But when you actually give this stimulation, it makes the brain go into an accelerated form of neuroplasticity where all of a sudden you can start to learn. And so it's hyper-accelerated. It actually lasts for up to 90 minutes after every session. And so as a person goes through this, they're also doing psychotherapy, they're doing group therapy, and all of a sudden stuff starts to click.
0: Yeah, uh, You start to feel a difference.
2: <laughs> and you kind, of, you kind of go, wow, I don't know where that really... Or what you already know starts to actually become absolutely. something you can access. And so this is, you know, the brilliance of of the technology. And you know, our our CEO of this company, uh Absolutely, uh, you know, he 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 was the one who said, you know, if we could help people to learn better, it'd be great. If we could, you know, get that brain working in a way we could really get those skills across. And he's been the person spearheading this entire process at, at FHE and, and God bless him for yeah, it. You know, absolutely you really did see the, the, the missing link with all this. And this technology is part of that, you know, and it helps to facilitate the rest of the learning. So then we um, uh, started looking at specific kinds of issues like um, um, opioid addiction and talking about different centers of the brain that don't communicate correctly and how that can be an issue in terms of regulating what's called the pain network. And so we came up with some different protocols to do that and and looked at modeling. Um, different areas of the brain and seeing if we could actually accurately model them. Turned out we could, and and we had uh, some pretty cool data to show that we were actually hitting it the way we we were intending to. Now, I'm going to just kind of quickly go into our findings. What We look at um, the opioid groups, Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to see if there would be significant changes above and beyond control groups. And so, um, for the last four years, we've been collecting this data. And these little red, these little brain maps are different frequencies in the human brain. And if you see it on the far left map here, these are probability values. Um, These are probabilities that are greater than 0.001, which is pretty darn good statistics Mm -hmm. and showing changes in in various frequency bands. And namely, the delta theta bands would change dramatically. Um, and we we saw these happen in the male opioid groups: for eyes open, for eyes closed. For the females, in the same thing. And then we looked at alcohol addiction and saw that you know uh, males had magnificent changes in the brain as compared to you know in the eyes open, eyes closed. We have four hundred and fifty subjects. Females, same thing. And then we looked at benzodiazepine addiction, and we were able to show significant changes there. And then, and then stimulate addictions showed significant changes. I won't go into all this because it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot of talking, but basically what it came down to was like, how do you know it's actually working? And so this is what it looked like when people came in, these are the females, this is their anxiety scores. The blue bar is um, the, their, their pretest and the, and the orange is the post-test. And if it has a score of 10 or higher, it's, it's clinically significant. And so we found that all the females that came in had clinically significant anxiety scores in each one of these drug categories. And then as opposed to at, when they came out of treatment, their scores had dropped below the clinical levels, which means that it wasn't necessarily a clinical intensity. So we saw, we showed our treatment effect this way with females. Uh, and then same thing with depression. The PHQ-9 is a standardized yeah. measure for depression. We showed the same kind of drops and then same with males, you look at the males, big drops all below the, the clinical levels and the male depression drop. And then when we took a control group, we showed, we had, we added controls into this and you can see how dramatically more uh, um, effective when you add neurostimulation to the existing program, um, the actual clinical effect is significantly better um, as compared with the controls, the, the clinical mm-hmm. effect there but it's nowhere near when you add neurostimulation to it. Yeah, absolutely. Same same with same with depression too. And I, and I
0: and I remember getting a pre scan and a post scan and it, the the difference was amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I you know that's what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah.
0: That,
2: you know, this this um uh, we we found that it was safe Recidivism levels dropped down significantly. Length of stay in the treatment program went up. People wanted to stay in because they were feeling better and they're getting something out of it. So we have, now we have, a, uh, we have a, a really good data set that shows us that, um, that it's effective. And now we're, what we're doing is we're expanding the analysis and making it more, um, uh, um, I would say, comprehensive. Uh, looking at people with uh, traumatic brain injuries, a lot of first responders sustained concussions and 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 low level brain injury don't even know it, uh, just in the line of duty doing their regular job, shaking it off and kind of doing yeah. their thing, and then different kinds of illnesses and problems problems manifest afterwards. Absolutely, so, yeah. So we um uh, we're we're starting to identify them and saying, wow, you you may have had a TBI, I didn't even know it.
0: Now is the average because I did about five doctor before i started is that the average i mean because you know people are different obviously so what 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 is the recommended you know uh treatment how many treatments do you have before you really start feeling it you know
2: we were showing on the average around seven okay seven treatments and then the clinical effect would come in but for some people you know um they started to feel it after the first two or three yeah. Um, they were like, something's happening. I can't really put my finger on it. And around five, they usually are feeling something, you know, but on the average, it was seven, I would say.
0: Now, how long for the listeners, um, h- how long does this last? So you go through 15, 18, whatever, how many Neurostim uh, treatments? How long does it last afterwards? It's a good question. That, it's a complicated one. Depending on, what you do to yourself after you leave. Absolutely. So right. if you so, fall you know, back into those old habits, you're, you're going go to lose that. You're going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to lose it. Brain's going to go back to the regular behavior.
2: Well, you're, you're, you're introducing stuff to your system that could, could significantly impact you. You know, if you go back to drug use, then you're, you're going to damage the system again. You know, um, there's all sorts of ways that your brain get damaged emotionally, toxins, uh, blunt in- injuries, concussions, all sorts of stuff. And so, um, if you don't take care of it and use it correctly, don't feed it the right way, then yeah, it's going to be a problem. But if you do take care of it and you do feed it correctly, you know, I say the big three, nutrition, exercise, and sleep. Absolutely. You get those three and then you can add spirit to it as well. But, you know, the big three are important. You do that and take care of yourself and efficacy
0: can be anywhere from five to ten years. So, wow. Wow. Five to ten years for for that kind of uh, improve, that kind of feeling that you get. As long as you keep up with it. And it amazes yeah. me. I mean, I'm not, again, you know, you're the expert, but when I talk to people sometimes, especially wellness providers or EAP teams, they're like, well, we don't know that much about the brain. Is that an accurate statement? I think we know a lot about the brain, which is what you were just talking about. Well, I mean, we know some.
2: I mean, you're thinking about some of the most complex noise in the known universe.
1: Yeah, you got, absolutely. You
2: got, you got 85 billion neurons up there with over 100 trillion synaptic and dendritic connections that creates roughly seven quadrillion events per second. Jesus. So it's That's the biggest supercomputer <laughs> in the universe. It's a yeah. lot. So we're, we're scratching the surface. I think we're going to
0: be looking at this. for And,
2: and honestly, in, in terms of science, it's relatively young.
0: So where do you think we're going with this in the future? Obviously, we're doing great work down at FHU. You're doing great work. Where where do you think this is going to evolve to in the future? Maybe that's too broad of a question.
2: I think we're going to start to understand the impact of energy on the brain and how we could use these methods that have a a low level of adverse effect, a high level of clinical outcome. Um, I think we're going to get better at understanding it and using it and combining it with different kinds of energies. And I think our analysis methods are going to continue to improve where we can target, um, uh, different problems. Um, I think we'll come up with more norm reference, um, uh, uh, capabilities that allow us to kind of do population norms and stuff like that. I think we'll be able to kind of like, it's kind of like checking the timing on your car, you know, yeah. uh, you know, how do you listen to it the right way? So you can, you can tune it the right way.
0: Absolutely. You got to keep those tune ups going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, sir, I appreciate it. If, 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 if is there any final thoughts you have for the listener right now, who still has some doubts about like neurostimulation and the work we're doing down at FHE Health about okay, giving the you know taking care of your brain and, th- and this is what you need to kind of get you reset. Well,
2: I think you know, be mindful of the fear that's out there. There's a lot of misinformation. You know, you want to take a good, hard look at the science and the studies that are present. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of ways uh, to help yourself. There's a lot of ways to get better. This isn't the only way. It's one of many. Sure. And, you know, like I said, the big three are huge. You know, a lot of people to achieve really good neurological health just start eating right. They stop taking the drugs. They, they start sleeping right. They start exercising. Um, they start working on themselves in a way where they start to understand their own dynamics psychotherapy wise. and I mean those those are all important uh, things to know. Um, uh, you know there there is a lot to learn about what we're doing, but what I can say is that the the jury's out, you know, when it comes to the safety. Uh, it's extremely safe it's, it's definitely effective. Um, and um you know, I can say that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I'm pretty damn skeptical when it comes down to it because I designed this stuff. Yeah. And so uh, at the end of the day, it's something to take a hard look at.
0: Absolutely. Dr. Douglas, thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate all the work you're doing for everybody out there, not just first responders, you know, but for everybody out there that are suffering and uh, all the wonderful things you're doing, sir. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day and hopefully I'll see you soon.
2: All right. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Thank you, sir. Such an informative interview with Dr. Dogris from FHE Health. Go to CJ Evolution podcast YouTube channel to see the amazing information that Dr. Dogris presented in this show. Please take care and please be safe. Until next time.